Today's episode is brought to you by Caffeine Gum Australia. Originally created for the US military, Military Energy Gum has now been widely used as a caffeine supplement in elite sports all over the world. It comes in three different flavors in cinnamon, arctic mint, and my personal favorite, spearmint. And with 100 milligrams of caffeine per piece, it's a really simple, quick, cheap, and tasty way of getting your caffeine fix. Check them out at www.caffeinegumaustralia.com. Today's guest has played 156 games for the Canterbury Crusaders, in which he won four Super Rugby titles. During his time with the All Blacks, in which he played 128 games, he managed to win two Rugby World Cups in 2011 and 2015, becoming one of only 20 people to win the World Cup multiple times. He's won the Rugby Championship eight times and the Bledisloe Cup 11 times. His individual accolades include being appointed an officer for the New Zealand Order of Merit for services to rugby. He has been the New Zealand Rugby Player of the Year twice, as well as winning World Rugby Player of the Year in 2013. Currently, he is playing for the Toyota Verblitz in the Japanese Top League. And to me, the most impressive thing about the guy is how easy he was to talk to, and he came across as a seriously good bloke. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this conversation with one of the greatest players of all time, former All Black captain, Kieran Reid. I can't see you just yet. There we go. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, it should be fine. It should work fine. Right, I don't know why something doesn't work, but your, your so, mate, nice and clear. So, what are you? You obviously a footy player. Yeah, I, well, I played with Jed in Sydney, and I've just retired and thought I'd jump into a bit of coaching. And uh, my my little business is a, a highlights reel business, so I do highlight reels for rugby players all over the world. And obviously, rugby's yep. in a bit of a bad way generally speaking in most places so i thought you know what i've always wanted to do this and yeah so it was a bit of fuck it why not you know yeah nice and yeah, uh it's cool. it cool mate i spoke to pat lamb this morning and speaking to some yep. some good guys so mate, it's, it's been fun it's been fun that's good, good. um so we're already recording but I, i've kind yep. of just treated it as a conversation i've got some stuff i want to ask you but mate, yeah it's pretty it's pretty casual mate Hey, um, something I didn't know about you till a couple of days ago is you're actually now teammates with Michael Hooper. What's, yeah, what's that like? Is, is, is it strange um, seeing him every day at training, considering you played against each other so many times? A little bit, yeah. It's kind of been a little bit of a strange time with COVID kind of being around. Like, So he got in kind of 28th of December and literally only saw each other this Monday. So it's been... <laughs> oh, so you've only, you've only just met him. Yeah. So I only literally kind of just met him on the... Because we've only been back training this week. So um, it's been good, eh? So obviously he's more about uh, just learning the roles and, and things like that. And um, But it's going to be... I'm looking forward to it, actually. You know, getting to know him a bit more. Obviously, be... it's been a number of years playing against each other. So, um, yeah, it'll be good. It's probably probably nice to sort of step away from the sort of pressures of Test footy and Super Rugby, and probably get to know a guy a bit better that you've played with for a long time. Yeah, it- for me, this is what the the Japan kind of lifestyle's been. You know, it's completely away from that whole pressure situation of of Test matches, and um, can really just enjoy the footy a bit more, and and maybe not have to concentrate as hard on you know on what you're doing. Um, so when you do do leave the training ground you can leave the footy behind and just enjoy your life and, and things like that so 
getting to know a few of the other guys from different nationalities. Like we've got Billy LaRue as well, um, South African fullback here and, you know, different cultures. So it's, it's been pretty awesome to um, get to know guys, you know, away from the game a bit more. Have, have you have you actually managed to see any of Japan yet or has it sort of been in the bubble most of the time? Um, I saw a little bit um, last year when the family was up here. Um, so we went up to the snow, um, got to a few different places, but um, it's been pretty hard. Eh? Kind, kind of last year was shut down with COVID and this year we're basically in, in a bubble situation where um, we go from training ground back to home and and uh, not allowed too far away. So it's a little bit frustrating, but it's just the nature of the world um, as it is these days. Have you, have you, do you guys have to do Japanese lessons or is it all translator sort of stuff? Uh, for us, it's, it's all translated. So um, if we wanted to get lessons, we can do. Um, but like all our coaches are foreign, so English speaking. So um, it basically is getting translated into Japanese. Obviously, our Japanese players then, when they speak, gets translated back to back to English. So it's uh, it, it's a little bit different getting used to that. It means you've got to be pretty smart with what you're saying, and 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 uh, I guess a bit of body language and and pointing and stuff when you're just trying to communicate one on one with some of the guys. Mate, um, I've got to ask, what's it like being coached by Simon Cron? So, Cronny's a bit of a I'd, I'd use the term legend around Sydney club footy and and I think yeah. everyone's pretty sad to see him go. H- have you found working with him? Oh, I've, I've found it really good, actually. You know, he's um probably the biggest, you know, attribute. He's, he's such a hard worker, you know, and um, and I've found that here, just getting to know him. Um, you know, he'll he'll put so much time and effort into the team and, um, you know, he's one to, you know, not nut down the detail um, is probably what I've found too. Um, so it's been really good. Like I obviously know his, his uncle um, quite well, coached me for a number of years, um, but they're actually, in some ways are similar in terms of uh, how much they love the game, but, you know, quite different as well. And, uh, um, you know, Crone's been really good for us. Mate, that, that's good to hear. Mate, I, I want, I've got so much I want to talk to you about, but I have to ask about the Crusaders. Now I've, I, I don't want to shit can Australian rugby. You, you can do that if you like, but I won't do it. But I, <laughs> no. so many guys that have played in Sydney end up going over to Canterbury. And like uh, I use Mikey Alatoa, who was a teammate of mine in Sydney as an example. And he, he was kind of a bit lost here and, and, and went over to the Crusaders. And, you know, uh, it, only in my opinion, but I think he's probably become one of the world's best tight head props. And if you looked at him a few years ago, that that's a huge jump. I mean, he's a 140 kilo guy that could run, but but what happens in the doors there that that sort of gets that out of players? Can, can you get um, a sense of it? Yeah, look, I think I can kind of understand it a little bit. Like, I think firstly, you've got to have it inside you, and I, so I think to you know to do something as big as what Mikey did in terms of coming to New Zealand, getting out of your comfort zone, and I guess coming to the place where rugby's, you know, it's it's huge in it. So, and any opportunity at the Crusaders, for me, I, I think once you come into the environment down there, like I came from outside, um, I wasn't born in Christchurch, so I came down into the academy, and straight away you're rubbing shoulders with these with these legends of the game, and man, you're just wanting to catch up to them and wanting to try and, um, you know, earn their respect, really, um, and so. For me, that whole tradition is just as a young player, you just want to do well and, and want to learn. And 
I think the best thing for our point of view and what we always tried to do at Crusaders was uh, welcome these young guys in with open arms and, and uh, really help them out. You know, there's no hierarchy in this team. Like the senior player, like a guy like Owen Franks or Wyatt Crockett, you know, who Mikey's scrumming against day in, day out, you know, they're not just out there to, to bash him up. They're out there to help him and, and, and help him learn. And, you know, there's nothing better from a young player to have that, I guess, in, in your development when you're doing that every day. Who, who was around your position when you started there? Yeah, so for me, there was uh, Ruben Thorne, um, you know, who was an all-black captain. Richie, obviously, uh, was, was around as all-black captain. And like Mossy Tuiliti as a number eight. So, you know, three All Blacks, um, you know, pretty great players and legends of the game, you know, worldwide, not only in, in the Crusaders. So, you know, it's, yeah, for me, it was just about trying to earn their respect, I think. And, and you want to just en enjoy the game. And, and those guys are more than willing to, to pass on their experience and, and help you uh, grow as a player. Mate, I, I, was, I was talking to Pat Lamb about this this morning and he... Like I get the sense that it's a cultural thing as much as it is a rugby thing. Did did you did you kind of feel that when you're around these guys? Like obviously they're great rugby players, but it's it's trying to get the most out of yourself. Did, did, like a I'm trying yeah. to word it properly, uh, but it's like a pressure to get most out of yourself. Yeah, look, I, I think the you know what is two ways of I guess looking at that. I think you know what's happened before us. So in, in New Zealand, the All Blacks are so strong and, and, and been so successful, you know, that's where you want to get to. And same as Crusaders, you know, that's what that's one part of it. But then also, once you do actually make it into these teams, you know, it's your own right that you want to try and be your own person. And, and so guys will give you as much encouragement as you can to, to go out there and be yourself and, and play well for yourself as well. So... Um, I think that's probably the two ways that really drive New Zealand rugby players. You know, there's all this tradition and history of, you know, of what we had there, but everyone wants to come in and try and do their best. And, and genuinely, these young guys and are encouraged to try and um, back themselves. You know, really showcase their own skills and go out there and do it. So it's more of a, a, a nurturing kind of environment than necessarily like an ego driven thing if that makes if that makes sense yeah yeah no i think it definitely is you know it's not about you know wanting to i think the team always comes first in, in new zealand every every team across most of the basically all the teams in new zealand so you can't be that type of person i don't think in new zealand rugby team so or in new zealand as a whole really so you're doing it for the individual yep because it feels good but you're always making a team um, get better and get results. So um, I think that's what kind of drives most of the guys. And who who were some of the early coaching influences for you? Yeah, for me, there's you know there's a guy who's in Sydney now, uh, Rob Penny, who's with the Waratahs. Um, so he was my first, well, one of my first academy managers down in Canterbury, and then my Canterbury coach for my first few years down there. So he was someone who probably the, one of the first coaches who really backed me as a as a number eight. Um, put a lot of effort into me into um, working on my game outside of the traditional training hours. Um, yeah, and gave me a lot of confidence as a player. 
Um, so he was strong. Um, there's basically every coach I've been involved has their own little part, you know, like Deansy, um, was great for me in my first couple of years at Crusaders. Todd Blackheader was, a, was another great coach who gave me so much knowledge around leadership, um, and what he'd learned over his time and Razor as well, learning different things of what he's brought in the last few years of my career, um, let alone the All Black coaches. So it's, uh, yeah, I've been very lucky to be under, you know, quite a quite a strong bunch of, of coaches. It, there seems like uh, a bit of a system there for the coaches that they can almost slot into it as well. Is that, or do they do they all put their individual spins on it when they get into the role? Um, everyone's got their own individual spin, most definitely. I think, you know, the, I've, you know, I'm lucky. Like Crusaders have a brand, and we have a culture that. Um, isn't just done by the coach. It's it's from the senior players. It's from guys who've been there before. It's it's intertwined in who we are. And so you hope that will continue. All Blacks are the same. So the coach will bring their spin and they'll bring their detail um, in how they do things. Um, you know, so that's important, obviously. And that's what, you know, drives from the top down, doesn't it, in most teams. So the coach is, is also very important. Um, I wanted to I've obviously got to talk about the All Blacks and I hear everyone talks about winning, but I'm, I'm really curious. You've, you haven't lost a lot in your career. What's, what's it like as a New Zealand rugby player when you lose? Do, do the players feel the pressure yeah. or, or what's, what's – can we get a sense of what that's like for you? Yeah, look, no, you know, I've been – you know, you kind of – you're lucky in some ways, but then you're not because you put so much effort in as a team to win to win these games. But I think when you do lose, it it isn't a nice feeling. You know, we go up to win every game, and and rightly so. I think we are probably expected to win every game, which which you know isn't going to happen. It's just the nature of competitive sport. But so when we do lose, it does hurt us. It does hurt personally. Um, and generally, the the country isn't too happy about it because of um, the expectations on us. So I don't think it adds pressure. I just think once we come off a loss, um, it probably just heightens our awareness of what we need to do to get right. Um, and so, if we had been potentially, you know, maybe the only reason we probably lost was we weren't mentally quite on, or we made a few mistakes in one area or whatever it was. So basically, we heighten it into that. Um, area of the game and generally it's a pretty focused week the next week before we play um what was it sorry how were you told that you were first playing for the all blacks uh so i just heard that over um over the, the radio right. it was named yeah so it was, so, uh, so they didn't even call you Nah. so this was prior to being called i think i i, I think of you yeah your name you just hear it over the tv over the radio um, so we played a, a Mighty Ten Cup, whatever it was back then, ITM Cup uh, final the night before. And uh, Richie had come back, he was playing. I was the captain of the Canterbury team. And so we're having a good night. We'd won the game in Wellington, um, you know, and quite late on, he just gave me a wee shoulder tap and told me uh, not to have too big a night because um, the team was getting named the next morning. And then we're flying out that night or that next day. So, he said just to, um, so I kind of, I had an inkling, obviously, um, once he, once he did that. 
and then uh, got named the next day. I didn't tell anyone, got named the next day, and there's a uh, yeah, pretty cool moment. I'd, I'd assume that would feel pretty good. Yeah, pretty amazing. Yeah, it's, um, it, you know, you call it a dream, I guess. Um, and that's certainly what I had as, as a young fellow. You know, I love the All Blacks watching them. Never really thought it was going to come to fruition like, until, you know, you get yourself into those positions where you do make these teams, um, like the Crusaders and, and what and whatnot. So, yeah, it's a pretty, very proud moment. Um, you know, it's not a, not only for yourself, but there's so many people who have touched your career up to that point um, who take a, a lot of pride out of it as well. Now, I'd assume the family would have been pretty happy. Well, what was it like when you were named All Blacks captain? Was it, and did you find yeah. out on the radio? Yeah. Um, nah, so All Blacks captain, I think I was, you know, I was ready for it. And I've had discussions with Steve. Obviously, he was carrying on as coach. Um, and I've played under him my entire career in the All Blacks. So, uh, I, you know, he did He did ask me um, to be the All Black captain. but and, it, and then a few months later, they announced it, um, you know, in the media. So it was, uh, you know, it's a massive honour to be in that position in New Zealand. Um, so I definitely didn't take that for granted. But I felt I was, I was certainly ready to and, and wanting to be the captain as well. Mate, when when you're the captain of the All Blacks, well, what's it like walking around the street in New Zealand? Are, are people generally pretty respectful of you and and sort of leave you to yourself, or what's, what's that yeah. like? Yeah, no, nah. yeah, no, nah, they are they're very respectful in New Zealand, especially in Christchurch. So you know, from a pretty small town, you know, it's a it's a city, but it's not big. So you're basically used to seeing us getting around town quite often. So it's not too bad. Um, you know, probably. You, you end up if you go to certain places, you know, where there's lots of kids go to malls or you go to um, whatever, then it might be photo after photo, and that's just the nature of um, what it is. So it's probably harder on my family, like young kids at the time. Certainly a lot harder on them than myself, you know, because you appreciate the, the support that you get, um, you know. But my my girls obviously didn't want to stop every five minutes with dad to have a photo of something. Like, so, why are these people um, taking a photo little, with my dad? <laughs> yeah, 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 a little bit like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I've I've got to ask. I'm, I'm so curious about mental skills for sport. I, I don't feel like it's something that's talked enough. When when you first started playing at that Canterbury or All Black level, were you were you nervous before a game? Did you get excited? What were the feelings? Yep. Yeah, I guess the feelings um, certainly early on was was a lot of nerves. Um, but I think as soon as I got out onto the track, like I was always one of those ones. Like I loved the game and loved playing. So as soon as I was on the field, I was fine and, and could switch in and, and remain calm. But certainly before games, I was quite nervous. Um, and I was probably, you know, I got better at that as my career went on and you weren't as nervous as what you were in those early days, but you still felt nervous, especially on the big games. So um, you still, even, even that, towards the end of your all black career, you were still getting those sort of anxiety. Yes. Yeah. You still get them. And I think that's important. You know, it, it shows you care about something. <laughs> if you're not getting those little nervous um, butterflies or, or whatever it is, then, um, you know, maybe you're not quite fully committed to what, what you're doing. So um, I know, uh, it exhibits itself in different ways and, and you can't let them take over your whole mindset. Um, 
and I was able to make sure that, yep, they're right there, feeling a little bit nervous, uh, which is a good thing. Okay, now let's go switch on to the game. And you get little routines. So, you know, basically the whole hour before a kickoff, <clears throat> you know, I had a routine that I used for pretty much my whole career. And, you know, that switches you into your playing mode. It gets you mentally ready and, and calms yourself down and nice and relaxed because that's where I played my best when I was in the two-up time. Can I, can I get a little bit nerdy and ask what that routine was? I've got a lot of young kids that listen, and I think that would be really interesting for them. Yeah, look, so for me, I was generally, I'd listen to some music, pretty chilled out stuff on the way to the ground. Uh, once I was there, I would, you know, walk out to the ground. I would make sure I wasn't getting ready too early. I didn't want to, you know, have to be waiting around, not doing something. So I always knew a counter back from when I needed to go for my warm-up. I was like, okay, I need to do my... Um, strapping at this time for my legs i need to you know go in and do a little bit of a warm-up with my sand shoes on for this amount of time and then i'd give myself five minutes get my boots on tape tape my boots up tape my socks up so it's pretty um, pretty similar every game. Go. yeah basically every game so i kind of knew that if we got to the ground a bit earlier i'd make sure i'd, I'd just chill out for a bit longer you know like keep the music on for a bit longer um you know, because you just don't want to be caught, you know, not quite knowing what, you, what you're doing. I think that, you know, so then mate, that's when you kind of start thinking about um, too much and what could happen. So just trying to remain as, as relaxed as possible, really. Um, and the structure, you know, really helps it. Um, did you did you ever get help outside, like in terms of a sports psychologist? Or did you do much work with Gil? Gil is it Gilbert Anoka? Yeah, Gilbert Anoka, yeah. So he, he's been a part of the All Blacks through my whole time there. So he's been available as a, a mental skills coach, kind of manager um, across my career. So, yeah, did a lot of work with him. <clears throat> so he did sessions for the boys, you know, as a, as a whole team. And then, you know, you could talk to him as an individual as well, which, you know, he was strong on structure. He was strong on, you know, for your best way to get your mental game in the right places is to make sure you, you create um, structure for that. So don't just think it's going to happen, you know, really structure it into your week to do your visualization or to do your um, whatever it is you need to do before a game to get yourself ready. So uh, it comes down to each individual and what you need. Um, but I think it's certainly a part of the game that, it defines the really top teams and then the teams that are close to it. And I think, you know, in the big stage, it's the mental game. That's the difference. Um, I've got to ask you this. The the whistle <laughs> goes in the 2011 World Cup final. Can you recall how you felt at that moment? Or is it too hard to put into words? <laughs> and no, I certainly remember. It was a pretty amazing moment. It was uh, yeah, incredible. Um, such a great feeling. Um mixed in with a bit of relief just purely because of the expectations on us you know it's been 24 years between world cups for the all blacks we're at home you know everyone just wanted us to win and we wanted to win so much so and the nature of the game how tight it was so man when it's all those things rolled into one it was that yeah it was an amazing feeling how um how long did the celebrations go afterwards um, yeah, it went pretty good. So I think we had uh, had a couple of couple of nights in in Auckland, um, and then we went around the country with a few parades and things. So had another couple of nights, maybe a night in 
Christchurch and Wellington. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a good, good few days just to connect and actually kind of, yeah, really acknowledge kind of what we'd achieved because you put so much into it, I guess, as, as teams. And yeah, it's cool. Mate, uh, mate, that sounds awesome. I, I've got, I've just got some random questions for you and then I'll leave you alone because I'm very yeah. conscious of your, of your time. Uh, this is no from worries, my, mate. this is from my father. Did you ever get tired of beating Australia? <laughs> uh, no, I don't, man. I don't. Well, I'm not, I'm not doing it anymore. So, um, you sure did it but, a lot though. <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, I was, you know, it's probably one of the, the best things when I finished my career is that the Bledisloe stayed with us the entire time I was there. I really didn't want to relinquish it. And it a few, um, especially in 2019, you know, they won the first one in Perth, gave us a hiding then. So, yeah, it really came down to uh, my last game against Aussie for us to hold on to it. So, um, like, the rivalry's there. Uh, and for, for us personally as, as All Blacks and for me, you know, it was a, always a game you got up for because... Um, you respect them and who they are and the Bledisloe Cup such a big I guess thing on, on offer so um, we never wanted to let that let that go There's guys that I play rugby with or, or did play rugby with who have no memory of Australia holding the Bledisloe Cup <laughs> probably, yeah. probably, know, probably shows like, you how young they are or old I am <laughs> Yeah exactly well, that's the thing like when I was growing up through my teens and that it was Australia who had it you know so it was all through that kind of around 2000 stuff it was that five six years of well, I think when after Jeff Wilson or whatever, when he got bundled out in the 90s, and then you guys held it for a long time. So it's how I grew up. So I know the importance of it and how much it meant to all those All Blacks back then. Um, how's the body? How are you feeling physically? Yeah, feeling feeling good. Uh, it's a, quite a strange time, you know. I'm actually, you know, you're obviously not putting your body under as much pressure as what you were doing uh, in, in the top level, but I've had near on a, a year off footy now i played a few games for counties and in, in the mighty 10 cup last year but it's uh it's been really good to kind of just have a little bit of a break and not play as many rugby games because generally you're just getting bashed every weekend so um it's in this in a good space so looking forward to hopefully getting some footy up here in japan uh, starting next month so it's so starting next month now because jed jed yeah. was saying they were sort of not sure how it was going to go yeah so it's a 20th of February is, is the start now so I mean we'll get I think a, a first round of seven games and then and then into kind of an extended finals type setup so <clears throat> I guess you never know what will happen but you know it'll just be exciting to play some footy because you know, all our boys up here have been pre-season since September so it's going to be near a six month pre-season for them. Oh, yeah I haven't met many people that like only training um Mate, in terms of how many more years you think you can go, do you reckon the break's added a couple of years or or how are you feeling about that? Um, I think, uh, yeah, probably in terms of how, how long I could go, I could keep playing. Yeah, I think so. Um, especially the way it's set up here in Japan. The season's not as long. <clears throat> um, so you can just manage your body a little bit in that respect. Um, like I'm probably pretty sure this might be my last season. Uh, um, in terms of playing, I don't, you know, COVID with the family. So my family's not up here in Japan. They're still in New Zealand. So, you know, that makes it a bit tougher, um, you know, when you're doing it on your own and you're expecting to have a bit more time with them at this time of your career. So, um, yeah, it's probably going to be my last last hit, I think. Mate, uh, what about life after? Are you thinking of getting into coaching? 
Have you done any studies uh, or anything like yeah. that? No, nah, not not coaching. Like I'm, I'm just uh, just uh, doing a kind of management degree at the moment, and um, so looking into utilize what I've learned over my career around leadership, around high performance, um, and put that into yes, yeah, sport. I put it into business and and uh, and things like that as well. So um, that's you know where I see myself going. I think I'll probably give myself a little bit of time to. Um, you know, get back into normal life with the family and stuff and, and see what tickles my fancy there. Um, what's your favorite touring destination? Oh, there's some great places. Um, South Africa is always a great place to go. Um, been there many a time now. Um, the golf courses there and, and the food is outstanding. Uh, if you look into Europe and the UK, probably for me, Edinburgh was always a favorite place. When we played there, I, I played my debut test there, so I'm probably a little bit biased. But the city is pretty amazing. Like we stay on kind of the old part of the city, on the on the Royal Mile, um, just below the castle, and so yeah, it's a pretty magical place to, you know, to be playing and and training for footy. Um, what's your favourite band? Uh, my ba- favourite band uh, probably would be the Killers. Um, for me. I actually got to meet them a few years ago when they when they played in Christchurch. Um, so yeah, I got had a few beers at the concert and then got down and got to meet them and backstage afterwards. And I was a very um, fanboyish. I think they probably didn't know who I was, but I gave them an All Black jersey, and so they seemed pretty happy with the All Black jersey. Not that they knew anything about rugby. So um, actually, yeah, actually that that's cool. a good question. Who, who's the coolest person you've met over your career? Because I'm I'm sure you've met some interesting people. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, I have met some interesting people. Probably the one person I've met the Queen, which is right. um, which I yeah very very happy with. Um, she's pretty pretty awesome. That was you know ten years ago, and she's still going strong now. So um, yeah, she's you know certainly someone who's up there. Um, who else? Oh man, yeah, some pretty pretty awesome opportunities I guess with the footy. Um, yeah, which has been pretty cool. Mate, um, do you read much? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I, uh, I read every day, yeah. yeah. Are, you, are you a fiction reader, non-fiction, biographies? Oh, oh, anything, yeah. No, I enjoy anything. So I'm actually I'm reading Barack Obama's book at the moment, so I just started that. But yeah, I'll read fiction, you know, crime, thrillers, or history kind of novels as well, anything really. Have, have you got a favourite? Oh man, or, um, or some or something that you'd recommend to a few people? Yeah, um, let me think. Um, I can't. Look. Yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of, for me, I kind of like the historical kind of books. Um, so Ken Follett is an author. Have you like kind of? It's kind of fiction, but it's based on real life. Um, so his his books, which is uh, I think the Millennium Trilogy, I think is what it's called. So kind of based across the 20th century. It's quite an interesting interesting read I found. Okay, cool. Um, do you watch many movies or documentaries? Yeah, a little bit. Um, got plenty of time on my hands now with Netflix. So trying to get through a few series and things, um, you know, to keep myself busy. Um, yeah, no, not too bad. I quite enjoy those ESPN. Uh, 30 for 30s, uh, the ones, you know, that um, 
you know, track those old sports teams. And, yeah, pretty cool the kind of amount of, um, you know, footage you can get from some of them. Um, mate, I've got two more questions for you, and then I'll leave you alone. I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. We, I can't imagine you would, but if you look back on your career, would you change anything? Yeah, no, I wouldn't. I've, you know, I've been asked that a little bit over the last year or so. Um, no, I wouldn't change anything. It is, it is what it is. I had an absolute blast playing, and I know that, you know, the things that weren't as successful for me over over those years went for a lack of uh, trying and went for a lack of kind of, you know, working so hard for it. So, um, you know, none of put in all that. No, happy with, um, you know, definitely what's happened. Actually, uh, sorry, I lie. I've got two more questions. Did did you, when you look back, did, did you enjoy it? Like, were, were you having the yeah, time did, of your man. life? Yeah. yeah, it was. It was, uh, yeah, being able to do something like playing rugby for your careers. You know, you know, you look back and it's just an absolute honour and, and so much fun to do. Like, you're travelling the world with your mates. And genuinely for me, that you know, I've got best mates in, in the teams and uh, we'll have those guys forever, you know. So um, that's the biggest thing I think I took out of it, you know, was the, the friendships and, and how much fun you, you get out of doing it with them. Last question, mate. Um, what advice would you give 18-year-old Kieran Reid? Um, look, I would have, you know, I think for any 18 year old, I think it's important that you, you focus on <clears throat> what it is that you want to focus on. So rugby, obviously, that's what it is. But, you know, don't just narrow yourself down, you know, try some other things, you know, whether that's study or, or, or work or, you know, trying to, you know, not just you know, be fairly focused, have something that you can fall back on, have something that, you know, can take your mind away from the, the game um, that gives you that balance um, that really creates a, a well-rounded person. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's probably the advice I'd give to anyone at that stage. Beautiful. Uh, I think that's a great, great way to end, mate. Um, hopefully when all this COVID stuff goes away, I, I was going to come visit Jed. So it'd be nice to buy you a beer or something in person. And thank you so much. Yeah, man. awesome. No, no really, problem. Cheers, Duncan. I appreciate it, mate. Have a good evening. And um, yeah, thanks, mate. Sweet, man. No worries, mate. Okay. Thanks, Take bro. Easy, See ya. Okay, guys, that's the end of today's episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to check us out on YouTube or on the Apple Podcast Store or on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe so you can keep up to date with the latest episodes. And if you want to check us out on Instagram, it's at Wandering Bear Sports or on Facebook at Wandering Bear Sports. Thanks very much for listening and we'll see you next week.